Today we are delighted to welcome Ollie Mansfield who set up Front Room Concerts in March 2020, helping recyclists create more opportunities to perform through the use of digital and online technology. Since then he has given over 40 musicians an opportunity to perform during the various lockdowns. Ollie has a great approach to the online experience which, let's face it, has given all of us some of our best and worst moments over the last 12 months. Ollie knows that building an audience base is a crucial part of this and this year he launched the Digital Recyclist weekly email to share ideas, information and tips. In this episode you'll hear lots of those ideas and tips and stay to the end for Ollie's favourite apps for creating great content. So if you've been struggling with either the tech or with how to make your online performance stand out or any of the ways to make online recital experiences as positive and successful as possible, Ollie is here to share his own experience as a freelance cellist, educator and performer and online recital expert. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Alliance offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment. Cover includes protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Also, unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life can be unpredictable and a lot of things are beyond our control. That's why insurance is important for any musician, whether you're planning to tour the world or teach the next generation. Then, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. At the moment, Alliance have a special online offer with two months free cover. And not only that, but every Alliance music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. So let's go to the Music Works studio where Ollie Mansfield is waiting to talk to us. Hello, Ollie. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for the invitation. No problem at all. It's a real pleasure to have you. So, everyone, this is Ollie Mansfield, cellist, teacher, and mentor. And he is here to talk to you today about digital performance. Um, Tell us a bit about what you've been doing over the last year or so, Ollie. Yeah, so back in March 2020, it was uh, uh, the beginning of what we didn't quite know then, but lockdown, the first lockdown. And of course, like so many other musicians, uh, a load of work was wiped out the diary and uh, venues were closing and I, I, I just needed to do something, something proactive, positive. So I decided to, because I've seen other people do webinars and talks on Facebook using live streaming, I knew that it'd totally be possible to do a performance and perform it across to people on Facebook and that you could put a PayPal donation up and actually it would be really straightforward to continue performing and to hopefully bring in some money. So I set up a Facebook group called Front Room Concerts. I mean, it didn't cost a thing to set up the Facebook group. It didn't cost anything for the PayPal link. And I just thought, well, hey, let's give it a go and see what happens. And it's just snowballed from there up until Christmas where we're up to now just over 2,700 people in the group. And we've had over 40 musicians perform and I think we've raised over about £10,000 for the Musicians and Help Musicians charity. So that's been exciting. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I've learned a huge amount from it. So, um, which, you know, we can delve into and discuss as you wish. Absolutely. <laughs> You're here to tap into your uh, extensive knowledge and experience on the subject. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we made a little list, didn't we, of the kind of um, the things that people often need to, you know, find their way through to do online concerts. So what's the best place to start? So I think is, I think for me, it's just remembering that you are performing to people still. And there are going to be people on the other side. 
And even though that, you, okay, you're playing to a camera and it feels weird and artificial and maybe even just wrong for some people, there are actually people on the other side who are engaging with you in some way. And so that all the requirements from what you do professionally for a performance still count. So whether that is what you wear, to what the environment's like, to if your audience can see you because you know we can reposition we're used to repositioning ourselves on stage to make sure that you know the audience can see it's the same thing we just have to move the camera and all of that stuff um but i think the biggest 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 point i think is really important is to 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 use this opportunity if you're going to do live streaming and digital concerts is to engage as much as possible with your audience and ideally during the performance. And I've seen that make a, a huge difference to um, how concerts come across and how many people watch and, and donations, and we can get into the whole ticket side and uh, things. But what, what the magic of it, I think, is that you can literally do it without having to invest in huge sums of equipment, which is like an amazing start. And then if you're going to really commit, then there are opportunities to improve, you know, the visual side, whether that's through lighting or a better webcam to the audio, which is whether investing in condenser mics and things like that. But the cool thing is it's not necessary. It's something you can build up to. So, yeah, it's been quite a learning curve. Yeah, I bet. So what, when you say engaging with your audience throughout the performance, what are, your, what are the main ways to do that? Yeah, so I mean, if you again depends on what format, but from even just talking to your audience about your program or sharing some insights or context for it, because there are three main things that audiences are looking for for their digital content. It comes out in a lot of audience surveys done by um, audience development companies. It's that audiences want to be entertained in some shape or form. So that doesn't mean, oh, you have to be lighthearted or a comedian or it's all, no, it's just entertainment of, of what is gonna be entertaining to your audience, whoever that is. Then they want to learn something. So the, the, the whether that is something about the pieces, something about you, but they want to engage and, le and, and learn something, take away something from, from, from the performance. And the other thing is they want to be intellectually stimulated. And so it's, it's the, if you take your traditional recital where you walk on, bow, sit down, play, bow, walk off. Well, it may be entertaining, but it's definitely, it may be intellectually stimulating, but you're not gonna learn something. And there's a big detachment from acknowledging your audience. So it's really important to think about what you're programming and how's that gonna be of value to your audience. So whether that is um, you're shining a light on, let's say, um, uh, British female composers, and your, your program is going to delve into that as well as listening to the music exploring the context exploring the history what it means to you what it can mean to them to your audience so then they come away they've experienced something they've learned something and they've got the added boost of being entertained by your music and it's coming up with a richer performance format that's gonna be more engaging online because just the old way of of just doing a concert isn't isn't engaging enough online yeah, because you don't have the atmosphere of the room to kind of absorb you in it in the same way, do you? Yeah, exa um, exactly. Yeah, I have to say, I think this matches entirely with, with our experiences. We've also produced some online concerts and we've found that um, you don't commit to something in the same way if you're doing it on your laptop. And, you know, in many ways, it's it's it has lots of positives too because you know there are concerts that I've watched that I wouldn't have been able to watch because they're in completely different locations or you know it would have been when my son needed me you know I watched them with yeah. him which he wouldn't have been able to do and there's all kinds of things but there's a sort of um uh there's a sort of commitment 
um, to, you know, leaving your house, wearing a certain outfit and going to a place and buying a drink and, you know, doing all this stuff. And um, I think what you're saying is, is, um, is very true in that this is how this is how to kind of not you do rep, you can't replicate that online but you can create a different experience that is similarly engaging yeah exactly and again from the the surveys i've looked at and the data is that audiences are, are expecting a live performance that is designed specifically for digital consumption or online consumption so I think that's really interesting moving forward into the future is that I think live streaming will have its place for accessibility to normal in-person in real life. I haven't quite come up with a phrase to to sort of between live streaming and a, and a because a real performance yeah. just sounds weird because it's still a real performance online and an in-person performance sounds weird because you are still performing to people. So I haven't quite found a phrase that, yeah. that works yet, but um, there's definitely an accessible part that I think is going to be really important to different demographics um, and to, uh, and to uh, again, whether people, especially older generations, feel safe enough that they're happy to go out and go to concert venues. That may take a bit of time, and so that can be part of it. But I do think there's a real place for actually not being a replica for, for traditional recitals and concerts, but to come up with a, a whole new unique format that has a different level of engaging with the audience. Um, and I've got ideas for it, and, and it's about testing, but I think we're, it, I think it's down to all of us to sort of test and experiment and and see what works. I also think timing is a big thing. And I think the end, it is the end of hour long performances online, anything longer than an hour. And even I struggle to focus. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm front room concerts. I sort of say between 35 and 50 minutes maximum, the whole thing, talking, performing the lot. Yeah, I feel the same and, and actually, I feel with my promoter hat on that this is a really huge opportunity for, um, I don't know, like music societies or performers who struggle with getting in new audiences to have this different format. Because actually when you're shortening things and you're talking about them, you're making them more accessible even before you've put them online. Um, you know, I think this is really important in a world where music society audiences, especially kind of re in the you know regional places, are, are starting to shrink. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And, and and I mean, and then, so the nature of a performing musician slightly changes because not only are you the performer of the works, but there's also a present presenter element now to it that, um, you know, conservatoire training, yes, okay, and, and university as well, you may get to, you know, do a, a presentation on something, but it it's the presenting skills are going to have to be quite different and even more developed, I think, for, for musicians that really take this, this opportunity on. And um, I think that's incredibly exciting. I just hope that that um, there's support there for that as well in, in sort of conservatoires and university for that kind of training as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, our performers being comfortable with doing that kind of thing obviously varies from person to person as does as does anything um but it sort of fits with a general move in my opinion that you know with social media and with the rise of um, individual profiles for musicians being something that you can promote yourself rather than necessarily via an agent or via a certain program um or competition win or through any of the usual channels actually um, being able to find your own musical identity and communicate it to other people um, or musical and professional identity is so much more important now I think than perhaps it was before um, because you know there are people who can do that and do that naturally and then if that's not something that com comes naturally to you you can feel a bit you know compare-y uh, <laughs> you know you get the insta comparisons which is never helpful um, and I have lots of views on why this is uh, is, is a kind of a mixed bag but what I can definitely agree with you 
on is that people need to be supported in this because some people talking about themselves comes like you know a duck to water and for some people it is literally the most terrifying thing in the world and playing like a gigantic piano concerto is, is easy in comparison um. yeah yeah i know i mean like so i think that's another big realization through last year is that as you said, you're kind of, so as we talked about presenter, but then actually if you're the one putting on your own performance, you're suddenly the promoter. Suddenly you've got to, because as a, as a freelance cellist, I'm so used to being booked for a gig, turning up, doing the gig, having a great time, getting paid, going home. I have never really had to think about, oh, that I need to actually bring an audience for this, for this to work. And suddenly I think a lot of musicians have found that actually they, you, you can't just rock up and perform anymore. There's, there's a whole process that goes before that of ensuring that you've got an audience to, to play to. And um, yeah, I think, I think that, well, for me, I found that initially incredibly daunting last year um, was, and also, as you said, the, the, is, is if you're a violinist or any musician, actually, that comparison where you look and go, oh, but there are like hundreds of other violinists and hundreds of other pianists and, and, and we're all kind of doing the same thing and we all kind of want the same thing. How is this all going to work? And um, I know I found from my Facebook and LinkedIn, not so much LinkedIn, but especially Facebook newsfeed, like because I'm in a bubble of knowing lots of different musicians, it can feel uh, completely claustrophobic and overwhelming when you see everyone soon going, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. So that's where my curiosity has gone into, okay, well, there must be a way forward for this. There must be some route to find a space and get known and be able to promote yourself in a way that feels comfortable um, because that's the other thing I think with social media is you, we can all get, look at what other people are doing. I know I have and thought, oh, well, that's the way you do it. So whether that's like, a, okay, so the way I, you know, promote my Facebook live stream is to then do a Facebook event and then I'll just post that and share that and repost it and repost it again and repost it and repost it and then go, oh, but no one's clicked that they're going. <laughs> or oh, no one's really showed up and going oh my god there's a whole skill to this that I didn't even realize and so that's something I've been sort of researching well that you know I'm currently researching learning about and and, and sharing yeah absolutely I think it's yeah you're right because you sort of see all these Facebook events cropping up and you think aha this is the thing to do you create a Facebook event but what you don't see is the outcomes for everyone and um and you know what that means so you um so tell us then about um about audience building you know about um you know your your because you're really um your newsletters uh, which we should mention as well are um are absolutely fascinating so you've just started releasing this series this email list there we have the website hey. if you're watching on video yeah. um it's ollymansfield.com um and your digital recyclist newsletters are i i will say the best digital newsletters i've ever received because they are just so clear and so full thank of you. amazing information um that is really really relevant so uh, yes thank clearly you. know what you're talking about so do tell us <laughs> well yeah so i mean this came from again doing front room concerts is the thing that drove me mad doing it was that um, because it was based on donations, one personal group could perform and make literally over a thousand pounds in 40 minutes in donations. And someone could perform and there will be, there will be no donations. Mm. Both people would have had people watching. But, uh, you know, and of course, the person that made more had more people watching, but I was just like what was this what was causing this because it actually wasn't to do with the standard of playing yeah you know both were fabulous musicians there was no there was nothing about that the, it wasn't to do with the audio quality it wasn't even to do with the visual quality i was just and i was just like oh my god there there's something here that i don't get yet and so having that curiosity and that kind of 
well, there's something here that needs to be solved, led me down the route of going, well, it's something to do with audiences and having an audience. And, and what I noticed was that the people that did well out of the donations had a pretty good pre-existing audience base already. And what was even more interesting was that actually most of the donations came from family and friends. So there was a, a close relationship to the performers. But then also out of that circle, those people that made more donations had a strong relationship with their audience already. And so what I realized was there that that that's the key part to if you're going to be someone who's going to go off and do your own digital and live stream performances is you it's all very well going right I'm going to perform but you need an audience to perform too and they need to be in a place where they're willing to then also use their time spend their time watching you and pay ideally pay for that experience as well yeah. and we can talk about that later but so I started then thinking well looking into um content marketing and uh, social media marketing and I'd never thought I'd ever ever research into anything like this if you told me so at the beginning of last year do you know what you're gonna really get into researching social media marketing and content marketing I would have gone no way I'm never interested in that at all that's like the polar opposite of anything I'd ever do but it was just that it there's it was just seeing this this problem on front room concerts and going well there must be other musicians experiencing this if I if I can start finding answers maybe I can help other musicians to, to solve this problem and you know the one of the reasons that off put me put me off sort of social media and stuff is just the spamminess, the very me-centric side of it. And just at the moment, there is so much like digital stuff out there. It's overwhelming to sort of sift through and work out what's of quality, what's not. So I came across, uh, someone recommended, so there's, it's funny how these things work, but Someone recommended a book by a guy called John Asperian, who's a content, uh, a, a copywriter. And I read it and it, I, I was just learning about how to write content in a way that was going to be more engaging. Because I thought, well, if you write content, then maybe that attracts your audience and you build it from there. Um, and it was really helpful. And I, and I really liked the values of, of being congruent, being honest and most of all being helpful. And this was kind of like quite, I hadn't ever thought of it in this way of being a musician, but being helpful. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I for, again, I think for me, I can only speak from my experience, is that through my classical training and music college training and everything, it was all about how I did and how I performed and how, and, and comparing me to others. And at no stage did I really think, well, how can I be most helpful to my audience? How can my music making bring value and ex help and boost my audience in some way? And that was quite a sort of switch mentally for me to, to process. And he recommended someone called Mark Schaefer and Mark Masters in his book. And I and at the, uh, Mark Schaefer I've heard a couple of times and I started listening, reading his books. And again, he's all about being human, being genuine and coming up with a social media strategy that builds an audience and a community. And I was like, ah, okay. Community, being helpful attracting people to you whilst you can be honest and not this pretend I'm this amazing cellist I can flash around the the cello and you know record all the popper studies and then have a glamorous photo shoot on the beach it's just like no that's not it at all it's actually <laughs> people are craving 
human connection and human content and and just genuine people and on top of that they 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 value help as well mm. and um and then from that uh, mark masters who does you are the media and he's so lovely and again just a fine example of being genuine and organically building an audience so again it's not about because you see these sponsors i don't know if you see these ads on facebook where it's like get one million followers in three months or you know uh, yeah. your your you know followers by 50 percent and blah 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 and it's all these big numbers in very small you know amounts of time and and actually what i love about the, the people i've just spoken about is they're all about just start small start genuine and then build from there and it's all about building relationships and building connections and just being genuine and i was like that's it if you're a, a musician and you love performing and you want to perform to your audience and you can start seeing how you can help and shine a light for them and be of value to your audience and you're willing to build relationships with them then those people are going to want to then support your music making whether that's buying your recording or watching you I think there's as well as digitally there's the scope for it to move on to wanting to see you in real life perform and and so that kind of route just fits so much with my values and how I want to go about things. And that's kind of, so I'm sort of taking their ideas and, and filtering it through to how that can be used for musicians. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much in what you've said there. <clears throat> in particular, struck by, so in my line of work, I speak to a lot of musicians about what their sort of, um, things are that they're concerned about, about their careers or their profiles or so on. And it, so often when we talk about social media, it's all about tone and am I striking the right tone? You know, you don't want to be boastful, you want to celebrate the good things, but you don't want to come across in a certain way, you know, or you want to be likeable and all these kinds of things. And I mean, I've had these these struggles myself, as, as pretty much everyone has. And I, it took, um, I did a brilliant um, kind of personal branding exercises and aside with someone great at that which then has led me to feel really confident in what I'm saying um and that it's helpful and so on but I think that this this reconnecting with your audience and what they need not only does that help your audience but it also helps you because you can then give things to them without worrying what they're going to think about it and you don't have to be like oh, I don't know if they're going to like this because actually you know uh, and it's it's a much happier place to be um professionally and particularly creatively you know sometimes i'm genuinely floored by how much musicians can achieve whilst battling with so many uncertainties and kind of um worries about things um constantly in awe of musicians and their achievements yeah. on that front but i do it think it's incredible it be yeah yeah and yeah and it's that as you said it's feeling because people know know when you put something out and you feel I can only describe it as feeling icky about it because there is you a feeling, yeah. yeah and you just know you just feel it that oh no that just doesn't fit but I've seen everyone else do it so that's what I should be doing but and it was that feeling that I really also just like no there there, there must be a better way yeah I often I feel like with that if you see someone post something that makes you feel a bit then there's this weird compulsion to also do that but actually you <laughs> yeah. that like I don't mean that as a criticism that is what you know you kind of it it almost makes you feel a bit inadequate but actually if you do the same thing and you felt inadequate or icky or something reading that then people might well feel the same thing reading your replication of exactly that. um I have a, I did a I've got a social media guide it's one of my my things on my website and um I I did it with um Kyle McDonald who runs the social media platforms for Classic FM uh -huh. and he has he has they have 4 million followers across their um, various yeah. platforms and his advice you know across the board was always just to be genuine and to be conversational and to talk to people as though you would talk to them if you were meeting them after a concert or having a coffee or something like that and it's pretty much I mean we talked for like 25 minutes making this thing but that was actually the nub of it was yeah. just to always you know and I said to him surely 
you don't think of every single pose you put out for Classic FM like that. And he was like, I really do. He cares do. about every yeah. single one of them. And yeah. you know how they do. Um, and he's amazing at his job and it shows, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. No, well, that's the thing. And, it's, and it is so much easier when you're doing something for someone else and it's involving what you love doing. Yeah, it just transforms just, just just every day sort of waking up and and doing stuff and of course there are, are like hard parts and challenges and there'll be challenging weeks but you know it's 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 giving you or for me at least like doing the, the, the my weekly email the digital recyclist is it gives me a, a stronger purpose to build my work from and um and it's been you know, I've been reading and experimenting. It's been my biggest shift in being able to ch to just change from being, oh, it's all about what I'm offering and what I do and what I know to, hang on a minute, what, who do I want to speak to and what is, what is going to be most helpful and valuable to them? And, and, it's, and, and it's that outward energy as well it's not looking in it's it's giving and it's and it really makes a difference it really does i feel the same about this podcast actually um especially the micro podcast episodes which i've started doing which are the kind of business focused ones because there's something about writing something down or saying it or whatever or, or you know both um every week it kind of it you automatically do more reflection if you're doing that i yeah. think so like whatever i said in the micro podcast three weeks ago I can look back and that at that and go okay this is what I think about this now and this has changed and evolved and because you know you've got that um and it, and you have to think about it from the point of view of what people want to hear otherwise they won't listen to it yeah <laughs> so yeah exactly um <laughs> so um but yeah but I do it it's um it's a, a kind of it's definitely mutually beneficial you know we yeah. enjoy it for a reason I think and um it's lovely to see that uh your work's being so well received and so kind of useful no, it's thank you. Topical. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is at the moment, isn't it? And yeah. uh, you know, and I think um, you know it will have its place as as we, we. I think you know people will want to try and go back to as it was, and some people will. But I think I think it, there's a sort of Pandora's box has been opened, and and uh, it it will continue to develop. I think into the future. I agree. So, what what do you think? The the future holds for digital concerts and mm. we're recording this it's probably relevant to mention it won't go out at this point but um what is the date today i don't know but yesterday we got the announcements um from the prime minister in the uk about the the roadmap for the relaxation of the lockdown and the ultimate getting rid of the um the social restrictions so we're all just kind of absorbing yeah that news <laughs> um so that's the context we're having this conversation and uh, yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I kind of thought yesterday, it did cross my mind, was just like, well, is there going to be any need for what I'm sort of writing and doing? And I, it will evolve. Um, I, again, I think for accessibility, there's still a need for live streaming um, and, uh, and digital con like performances. Um, because again, it's going to take some time for some people to feel safe enough to return to concert venues and, and performance venues. But I, I kind of was came across an interesting um, post on LinkedIn, which someone had the realization was that actually that social communal vibe is still really important to have in person, and actually you are never going to be completely re replace that or re replicate that online. But what online can do is give a, bring people together for, for just alternative experiences in, in whether that is in what we talked about earlier, which is giving more depth to performance knowledge and, and historical context, whether that's helping your audience learn something with you, whether that's, um, you know, I was, the, Johannes Moser, cellist, did a wonderful thing, which is um, he asked his audience to send YouTube videos of what they're playing on to him. And then he'd post a, re, a YouTube response. So it was like a, a masterclass 
But it, again, it's just a really lovely way of how to involve your audience in your own music making and you can share your knowledge and give value back and, and suddenly there's an even greater connection and bond. And so I see things like that where actually you can involve your audiences in different ways through live stream and, and digital, but in, in interacting with each other. And I think that's where it will have its place. So it will sort of, I don't think it will replace, it can't replace in-person concerts, but I think it can have a really useful effect for again, engaging, connecting and building a kind of sense of community around um, your audience and also keeping you in mind. So, so you're still part of someone's life on a regular basis. It's not just once every few months there's a concert to go to. Um, so that's where I, I currently, and that will probably change, but that's how I currently feel about the future of, of live streaming and, and digital concerts. What do you, what do you think? Uh, well, I agree, absolutely. And I think, um, as I touched on before as well, and as you mentioned, the, the access um, benefits and inclusion benefits, but I, th I think specifically in um, the kind of dissemination and popularization of new music, which I strongly believe has to, you know, increase in speed and yeah. volume if we're to carry on having a, a, yeah. a classical music tradition. Um, you know, I see, you know, they had, um, for example, the, um, the way new music is absorbed is often through um short performances and sometimes repeated performances and there's a really you know really strong potential for online versions of this you know, they, they had the prs um new music biennial in hull in 2017 and it was as it uh, you know holland on the south bank um in london and they had um you know the the format of that i don't know if you know is like the, it's like 15 minute ish performance of a new mm. piece and then a q a about the piece and then another performance of the same piece again um, oh, so that you've kind brilliant. of heard it, you've talked about it, yeah. you've heard it again. And I like that, but it's, I think it's tricky to get people to go. I mean, like yeah. this was, um, the tickets were free as well. And it was, yeah. I don't, you know, I know that you could still get them on the day. And, you know, to me, obviously I was like, this is the dream, you know, I'm yeah. going to yeah. go, yeah. go to um, <laughs> um, But that was interesting. And I think that kind of thing is so um easily and well replicated online and kind of easier to get at where you know if, if yeah. the challenges that keep people out of music venues are you know transport costs and just like being worried if they're going to like it and taking yeah. time out and so on and so forth i think there's a big thing to be said for online there i think as well in terms of individual artists and i really believe this is important for individual artists at the moment this is the opportunity they have to um, build their personal audiences. Like you were saying, the people that made the most money in front room concerts were the ones that had that engaged audience that had turned up. They were like, great, my favorite artist is playing. I'm going to come, I'm going to spend some money. It, you know, And those are the people who will come. What, you know, So if you can say to a promoter, you know, in Norwich, if you put me on, I know at least 10 people in Norwich that are like dying to see me or 20 yep. people or 100 people or whatever. Um, if you can, you know, expand that, that's really vital for promoters because that's all they want is to know they're going to sell lots of tickets. Um, yeah. And it used to be that they only did that through getting, um, you know, the really famous people in. But actually, personal audiences, are, I think, are more important than ever now and more kind of accessible than ever. Well, that was one of my predictions at the sort of, when did I make it? In April and May, that, that that could be a thing in the future, is that having that personal audience base where you can say to a venue or promoter, yeah, I've got X amount of people that would definitely come and see me. It's going to be incredibly valuable. Um, because again, the, 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 it brings the, the risk down, doesn't it, for, for venues and promoters to know that actually, yeah, no, we are going to get a return on, on, on this and, and it can happen. Um, and I think it's one of the biggest long-term investments you can make because it is a long-term game as well it's not a quick fix it takes time to build an audience and connect with people it does especially i mean especially in the way that you're talking about in through through kind of genuine interaction because you were telling me just before this call about the process that you went through to devise and implement your newsletter and it is a slow and detailed process 
Um, I don't know if you want to talk us through. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it took me a while to to get to the point of feeling uh, comfortable and confident to to start putting my thoughts and ideas out that uh, I think I think would be helpful. And um, so I read uh, a book first of all called Anne, by Anne Handley, who um, everybody writes. And again, it's a fantastic book because it's again, very easy to read and very good points. And I'm just like, okay, no, this could be possible. I could actually write things and it could be okay and quite interesting. And then um, just reading other bits. So like, again, six months ago, I thought email would spammy, boring, rubbish way to communicate. You know, when you get 10 Groupon ad email adverts coming in and you just swipe, delete, swipe, delete. But actually, again, with Mark Schaefer and you were the media and, and Handley does, does a, a newsletter, is actually reading theirs and going, oh, okay, if you tailor it and you generally want to help the reader and you want to do it in a fun and again, in a genuine way, this is actually a really magical way to communicate with, with people. And it's not spammy because you're actually generally writing something that's gonna be of help and of value. And um, so I learned a lot from just those three people and how they do their emails. And some are weekly, some are every two weeks. And, and then reading Mark Schaefer's books about content and um and again being human and being genuine and how to build an audience and so what i'm doing is just my the digital recyclist emails just a way for me to embody the things i'm learning and practice them and actually do them and go no i've done this and it works because look i did this and and that and so what i'm hoping and in a few months time is to be able to give examples, even more examples of some of the things I'm talking about uh, in the emails um, as, as sort of evidence for it. And, and then it's also just really good because it's forcing me to actually take a position and, and to bring my thoughts into a, a, a coherent way instead of going, oh, well, I think that, and, and well, maybe that. No, it's actually, no, have a position and have a reason for it as well. And yeah. because a lot of, uh, just generally today, is like we can all have opinions about things, but actually to have evidence and something underlying behind it takes effort, actually, uh, yeah, and takes absolutely. research. And it takes um, an amount of courage to, because when you have an opinion, you invariably have to, um, be aware, you know, be aware that some people may not agree with it. Uh, yeah. So it has to be, all, and that's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. I I struggled with this for for ages, and I had all these conversations with people about what my opinion was, and never said it publicly. Yes. <laughs> and that was part of, um, you know, and I was like, oh, this is like se the secret thing that people know if they come on a discovery call with me, but they're never here, <laughs> you know, otherwise. <laughs> Uh, that's not the case. No, cat's pulling out of the bag now. But, um, <laughs> but I think it's that understanding and having enough confidence in your opinions and your your kind of take on things that it doesn't matter if people disagree with you and actually your perspective is is valid. And that's the you know. thing. And you know, I completely relate to that because I would struggle for ages to even post something that was slightly opinionated. Um, for fear of retribution and, and yeah. everything, and which, you know, inevitably doesn't happen. Um, it's part of, again, building an audience. That's part of, of, of it is some people will be attracted to you and some people won't, and that's okay. And, yeah, and I actually, think as musicians, we're big people pleasers as well in yeah, general. <laughs> totally. And, yeah. I, you know, I've spent years, I still do, you know, in different contexts trying to please different people. Um, and so this this email is quite uh, an eye opener for me. Of, 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 of it's pushing me up my comfort zone of just right. This is my stance for this week, and of course it can change and adapt, as you sort of said. As you, a few months on, you can look back and go, actually, no, I slightly adjust and think that. But again, that's an 
shows you're human and genuine and you can share that with your audience and your audience will go, oh, okay, yes, they're human and genuine and 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 because we are allowed to evolve and and, yeah, and things change. I mean, yeah, things the change. Is, the world is not static. That is yeah. particularly a fact at the moment. But it um, takes a huge amount of courage yeah. to sort of stand up and go, "This is this is me. This is what I stand for, and and I, I want to help you." But again, it comes back to that. For me, it's that help part. If I if I'm have a, a stand of view on something because I think it's going to be helpful, that's so different to having an opinion just to be controversial or. Does oh, that absolutely. make sense? You yeah, know, it, yeah, it always yeah, comes from no... a giving place. Mm, definitely. Oh, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no kind of um, shock factor here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, certainly for the sake of it. But now I agree. It's interesting. I got my confidence to have an opinion from. I'm in a, a mentorship group as well, and they, um, no, nobody else involved in music in the group at all. And um, they were all sort of sharing stories of when they put their controversial content out, and you know the number of followers they'd lost as against the a number of people who'd been like now they're talking and I, that was really eye-opening for me because i was like it yeah is, okay because actually we talk about needing an engaged audience and one that will come along and support us and buy our stuff and listen to our performances and so on and so forth and if they're going to be offended by one per thing that you say they're probably they don't, probably don't belong in your audience yeah exactly and i i've heard it so many times but there's still that kind of, if you're still in that kind of, oh, I want to please, it's still quite a hard, it is hard. message to, to take on and embody. And for me, my, the biggest difference for me was like, oh, no, I can help in this way. And so that yeah. trumps my kind of, oh, that's just like, right, I'm committing to helping. Let's get on and do it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But it is quite. It is a journey. <laughs> it is a journey, and it's it's wonderful to hear about it. It feels like, um, yeah, it's been it's been a really really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Um, I've got two top uh, apps for writing. Oh, yeah. if, if if anyone wants them, they've been super helpful. One is Grammarly, and one is Hemingway. Oh, and they've been super helpful for my abysmal grammar, especially. <laughs> So if anyone is scared of writing, like, oh, but, you know, write it, you know, go through all that and then whack it into Grammarly or, and, and Hemingway. And you're like, no, it's like, because even you get people that uh, just get angry about apostrophes and things like that in the yeah, wrong place. And I'm like, OK, right, let's cover my back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's a really good tip, actually, because I, I never think about that because um, Margaret in my team is uh, nicknamed Captain Colon. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> They are handy yeah. people to have. Yeah. They are really Absolutely. useful. Yeah. <laughs> I, did a little, I did a new video for my uh, website just before this call, and she, I sent her the, the script. It's like three lines long, and she criticised where a comma was, and I was like, I'm going to read it. You know, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, oh, I love but, you it. Know, yeah, definitely useful, if slightly scary at times. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I think the just thing is just to go for it, and and yeah. you know, for any musician listening, is is even if you're a violinist, there will be a space for you, and and whether that's to do with what you value or your outlook or what you're curious about or what you're interested about, there is there is a unique place, and I really do believe that that no matter what instrument you play, you can find a space for you, and then attract an audience to it, and then be more empowered to share your your creativeness so that's kind of what i'm hoping will happen in the future for musicians i hope so too i i actually say that exact same thing i really do believe that there is an individual place for everybody and mm. that you know if you feel like you're the millionth chopin playing pianist then perhaps you need to adjust your you know your usp slightly but but ultimately i believe that everyone there is enough audience for, to go around yeah for everybody totally um yeah that's oh, lovely and do you have any final tips you want to share then a sort of like roundup round is um just be just act on your curiosity whatever you're curious interested and passionate about then act on it and and see where it leads you 
Ollie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. It's been <laughs> lovely and enjoyable. Oh, yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Online performance is one of the trickiest aspects of the lockdown. We keep running up against with our clients and other musical friends and contacts all the time. And we all know that this is going to continue to be a thing, even when lockdown is a thing of the past. I think we all know this isn't going away. And so to have such a calm and clear conversation is massively helpful. What's really impressed me here is the emphasis you place on being genuine and not overstressing an idea of the perfect ideal that we all know we can never achieve because it's just not our or anyone's reality. Um, if our listeners only take that away from this episode, you'll have provided a huge benefit. But we've also covered so much more. You talk about having a giving mindset and the notion of generosity bringing its own benefits. And I completely agree with that. For you MusicWorks listeners, I cannot recommend too strongly that you sign up for Ollie's excellent weekly digital recitalist email, which you can do on his website at ollymansfield.com. This information will also be in the show notes to this episode. Ollie, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. And thank you for the resources you're providing for musicians who want to perform online. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. So it's goodbye from Ollie Mansfield. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes, and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.